Coming to you live, this is your MTG Action 4 News Team. Hello, this is MTG Action 4 News, your news team for keeping things fresh in the multiverse. I'm Mr. Comet number 5, providing you new ways to lose your friends. Let me have Big Tuck your breaking news source. So this is very topical to our pre-cast conversation, but I was actually talking to my roommate the other day and said, Mr. Bubs? I have a feeling we're not going to be in Kansas anymore. <laughs> what did Mr. Bubs say? Uh, he was sleeping, so he didn't really have a whole ton to oh, You didn't to even give him contribute. a fair shot. Mm. Moving on one day. Squeamy Gee getting caught up on meta traffic with the weather light report. Oh, I'm bringing you the beat on the street. Then we have the head of CMD Tower himself. <laughs> Well, that old bastard did it again. Tom Brady. He still, he still got it. Pretty sure he's a fucking robot. God. Why can't he just go cash in on his 401k and leave us the hell alone? Because <laughs> his wife's richer than he is. Oh, it's just the worst. Thank you for tuning in to your number six source of Match of the Gathering News. Make sure to go vote for CMD Tower and all the content we put out at mtgcca.com so we have a chance at an Emmy pool. People, people in the Discord, thank you very much for your votings. Uh, vote early, vote often. On that note, I did look at the picture. So I finally looked at the collage of all the people that are in there. And they did. They put us at the very bottom. One on the far right corner, one on the far <laughs> left corner, and one in the middle. <laughs> And then I looked at the tag. Everybody else got their own individual name tags. And then they picked, like, they were like, all right, so 47, 49, and 50 CMD Tower. Well, we are, we are got, got individual numbers and things. We are part of the collective, even though we are leading it. Go. So <laughs> it tracks. We're going to start off the top of the castle, ladies, and carnage that ensued with 45. <laughs> So uh, I got to play uh, a game with good old Pence, uh, good old patron, uh, good old buddy. Uh, that was a great time. Uh, and then, of course, there's frenemy uh, Spencer Rabbits and then sure. just straight enemy MTG Lord of Leaves. Oh, classic. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, on, on that point. So how many frenemies and how many enemies do we have in the collective? Uh, too many to name. Everyone's on notice. Uh, yeah, I was, was going to say, uh, I would think. Enough, the, I would think. I would think the vast majority is either on ice, notice, frenemy, or straight up enemy <laughs> of, our, of our Patreons and or friends. Oh, wow. All right. Well, but it was it was pretty cool, though. I got to see two games in a row with Spencer's new Kodama of the East Tree deck Ooh. partnered with Sakashima. Okay, cool. And can, can you imagine what it's like to have two Kadama the East Trees <laughs> out there? Uh, I mean, he was doing some ramp, and it was like, oh, cultivate. Oh, I put a land out. Let me put another land for my hand. Oh, let me do this. Oh, let me put a couple more things out there. I mean, he at one point just had no hand because he dumped everything out. Right. Game one, Lord of Leaves had a very healthy fear of Spencer, knocked him out real quick. Game Solid. two, Spencer still lost, but... So, you know, I saw the commander. I saw what his decks are doing. It's like, okay, he just wants to get a second copy of Kadama to do the thing. Well, when he plays it in Ulamog with Annihilator 4 and Indestructible, and then Sakashima's onto that. Oh, no. That's pretty nasty for <laughs> Annihilator 8. Yeah. Yeah. Annihilator 8 will kind of, you know, end everything. The world. All of wow. It. That is brutal. Yeah. As well as rename it Nuclear what, Bomb. 
those are my takeaways from Sunday. Uh, Sakashima with anything decent is disgusting. Yeah, it's. I mean, so when we were doing with anything our, decent, uh, I like that. That's like half of magic. <laughs> when we when we were doing our legacy or what was it, our boxing league, people were really excited about Sakashima, and someone pointed out to me where it's like it's still twenty dollars. And they were just yeah. like, yeah, it's a build around partner commander in blue. Like, what more do you want? Right. <laughs> yep. Squee McGee, anything you want to talk about? Oh, there are things. Yes, yes. No, I didn't play any games. Blah, blah, blah. Squeeze, breeze. All of it. It's done. There it is. There we go. Uh, magic related, however, I wanted to talk about a little card called Fork. About, I don't know, three months ago, I went on a journey and I was looking through cards and I was like, what did I think might go up? No What's one really cares good? about your box of gold. Well, I didn't get any in that, so suck it. Uh, I actually had yeah. to buy these. So about three months ago, I bought, I don't know, five forks on a, a, a bit of a drunken whim. And I was thinking to myself, oh, it's a really good card. It's on the reserved list. They're really cheap right now. Why are they so cheap? I bought them for 15 bucks, 17 bucks, give or take a piece. And uh, the unlimited one that I bought in heavy play for, I think it was like $35. I just sold for 100 bucks. So there you oh. go. Three months later. Speculate the market, everybody. Sometimes it works. Sometimes you get Th those. Those are facts. Yeah, those yeah, yeah. I, I can't argue. <laughs> True words have never been spoken. <laughs> Big Tuck, anything you want to talk about? No, I did. I also didn't get any games in this week, but I have some great news. I tore. I finally tore. Put my money where my mouth is and tore apart my Mystic deck, and I do have a functional build of the Kaza Royal Chaser uh, nice. that we talked wow, about. Wow, look at you. Problem being is that like I'm worried that this is going to be a Brea issue where I just <laughs> I just cut out all the chaffs and fun stuff, replace them with wizards, and then kept in all the other like extra turn spells. So I was like, okay, I got to do something a little you, different you, here. You forgot something there. Uh, it was it was wizards Harry. Oh, wizard Harry. I'm sorry. Yeah. What what, yeah, what yeah. do people think I'm talking about? Um, I, I can't be believe anything. that you would just go uh, ahead and disrespect the actual name but, of that archetype. But the, other, the only thing I'll say about it is I think I've broken a new record because I believe that there are eight replacement commanders that I can sub in at any time. Jesus. Eight? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, Did like, you build the deck with any theme at all? Yes, because they're, they're all wizard Harry's. Oh, thank all of them. You. Well, all, at least appreciate all the is it all the all the is it all the is it <laughs> legends are wizard Harry's. Oh, it's beautiful. So, anyways, yeah. hopefully we'll get to hopefully I will have gotten to play that the weekend before, but who knows? You know what? I just had an idea. Throwing it out there, since we all like the wizard Harry bit so much, why don't we cover that deck on Bruising Build sometime? It'll be great. It'll be great. It could be who knows. No comment. Well. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to wrap up for Life at a Dash. Now to cover what's going on in your local multiverse, what's the plane chase? Yes, and uh, this week we'll be taking over again. So we're talking about the third of the four-player archetypes that I've come up with here. I'm going to dedicate this one to you, Mr. Combo. This is the Mr. Combo yeah, number five special. We're going to call it Arch Enemy. You've all heard the term. You know what the person is. And for those who don't, it's the person that comes to the table Guns blazing. They're going to win this game. They're going to have a really good deck. They're going to play hard. They take no mercy. And if they don't win, they're pissed off. That's that's kind of my synopsis. And I wanted to throw this out to the group because I wanted to ask Mr. Cabo and Big Tuck, what do you all think the arch enemy is too? Because I feel like we may be on slightly different pages here. So for me, the arch enemy has nothing to do with the deck that a person's playing 
It has nothing to do with their play style. It is 100% the perception of the other people at the table. Because uh, okay. I, I have sat at tables that no one knows who I am, but I'm still playing a, it's an Animar deck. Everyone knows that Animar is a great commander, but I'm not the sole focus of everyone's hate and removal because they are aware that there are other threats at the table than just this one player versus you play with our play group and they get infected with the hate speech that their peers throw out there around my play and therefore i am always the target and it doesn't matter what deck i could play i could play the crappiest deck i own and i still whoa watch out <laughs> mr combo played a mana rock you can't you can't trust him he's a man of respect he is the arch enemy <laughs> so to me that is the arch enemy it's actually about the perception of what other people think you are and how to change that perception i couldn't tell you because i don't think i've legitimately <laughs> won two games like i haven't won two games in a row in probably a year and a half so wow. they're, they're on to okay yeah uh, What's up? I, what, do you, what do you feel about the arch enemy yeah, I don't think it necessarily has to do... I, I agree that it doesn't necessarily have to do with deck building or speed, uh, but I do think it is a... I do think there is like a play style and a deck building strategy. Um, if you compare single Aaron, he also turns into the arch enemy a lot and he plays drastically different decks than Mr. Combo in price mm. and speed and deck building styles, all that stuff. And I think, I think a lot of the same people that are the arch enemy also play decks that are more solitary style like a lot of answers a lot of responses that sort of thing mm -hmm. and have like one very specific goal that they're getting to um so i i think that it definitely some personas fall into it similar in scope how this is the mr combo play style i am also if this is like i am by default now the politician uh, because that's yeah. been permeated <laughs> through as well. So I, yeah, right. I, I don't think I don't think it has to do with a specific deck or a specific um, you know speed or, or that sort of thing. I just I think it's more of a more of like an idea. Well, that is interesting. I, I like so that is an interesting dichotomy. Yeah, go for, ahead. Yeah, for Big Tech, he just described himself as the politician, and we're talking about the arch enemy. What he uh -huh. doesn't realize is that he is the politician who is also the arch enemy, <laughs> a.k.a. Right. Emperor Palpatine. Uh, that's literally who he is. You're taking up half the pie here in all of my segments. I don't know how you do it, but it's amazing. Uh, anyway, so that's kind of how I thought it would be. So, like, I personally feel that yes there are definitely a little playgroup biases but i'm more towards yeah. how you play the decks and that's how you earn that bias in the beginning um and then I, it, it sounds like you mr combo are heavy into this bias like years on end of being the arch enemy so now you're ingrained Correct. it's just it's a part of your soul and it sounds like tuck is more on the lines of it could be your play style it could be it could be yes, anyone. It doesn't necessarily have to be the same play style. There's more play styles that could be an arch enemy. So um, the first question that hey, I wanted just, to bring up on, on the arch saying, enemy itself. It, oh, go ahead. Because because I got my ear pierced when I was 12. Don't judge me for the rest of my life. <laughs> because I did something years ago that shouldn't impact I'm how I'm to, treated today at the table. I try to say that all the time, and then you just poo-poo everyone else. <laughs> Guys, that was years ago. Months ago. Uh, maybe 30 minutes. I choose not to live in the past. 
Well, Tuck, I'm hanging on to that grudge still. Uh, politician. Oh, I, I'm well that. aware. Yeah, yeah. Out of that. All right. So, first question I wanted to pose to the group here: uh, the Arch Enemy, at least in my opinion, is usually running as fast as they possibly can with the deck that they're running. There is no stalling or tactics like that for the most part. They're going to try and stomp over you. Single Aeron may be a bit of an exception to that. Um, he likes to kind of hang back. But how do you deal with an arch enemy early in the game? If you see, say you see a commander come down, and you're like, wow, that's a really good deck. And they go, ah, oh, no, it's, it's, it's fine. It's not really that big of a deck. It, it's, you know, it, it, sometimes it's good. But it actually pops off and it starts running really, really fast, really, really hard. How do you deal with that arch enemy player early in the game where... You don't draw all the hate from them because you'll probably end up killing each other, for example. And then the other two players end up winning the game. So how do you deal with that with trying to win the game in mind where you're not just going to knock both of you out early in the game? So for me, um, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily matter how quick the quote unquote arch enemy is coming out. It's mm -hmm. more around the pieces that they're actually putting into play. So a good example would be terrifying Tyler. Mm -hmm. Turn three, he gets a grave packed out, but nothing else. So you might say normally people would be like, "Oh, I should, I should, I should keep an eye on that grave packed." That's not mm -hmm. a good card, but he doesn't have anything to do anything with right now. Right. When someone's considered an arch enemy, that's usually because at some point during their magic career they've done an explosive turn, explosive play, and it was very memorable. And so to me, when I see Terrifying Tyler put out a Grave Pact with his Marin deck, it's, oh, that's a kill on site, get rid of it right now, or we won't be able to have board states later. And that's just because he has played games where Grave Pact hit, oh, let me sack Sakura Tribelder, let me sack this thing, sack yeah. this thing, oh, Marin brings this stuff back. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you just never, you know, perpetually, you never have a board. So to me, it's about that interaction. It's about recognizing whether they a they are a super fast player and they played like six mana rocks on their opening hand, or they've just played very key cards like a doubling season, yeah, yeah, yeah. three or four. Right. Those are the things that you just have to kind of be mindful of, but just have interaction to deal with them because at some point they will run out of answers. And that's always been my philosophy. If it's like, oh, the control player has a counter spell up and people are to play it it's like look guys there's three of us one of them yeah. they don't have nine counter spells in hand to right, counter right. everything we can do yeah. and then the next turnaround have another nine counter spells yep i i completely agree and, and to hop on board with that the three things i was going to say is one cut them off when they are getting ahead which to your point mr yeah. combo is the same sort of thing right you identify the key pieces and just get rid of it and then uh agreed with the counter spells make them waste their resources early right play your strong stuff don't only play into them make them be reactionary to you as well um then lastly uh work a little politics this is called the ross this is called the, this is called the marketing ross maneuver uh point out to the people that these this is how this deck operated in the past this is why yeah, this person's trash of the world. Well. he will do that too to tell you that hey this is yes that doubling season will end up I in speak truth. a lot of things. Yes, you speak know? truth. So, so work, so work a little bit that in there. You know, the 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 depletion of resources and, and making them use the resources is something that you can have a very active play into. But working a little politics, bring up the discussion, mull it around. I think that kind of helps. Uh, that kind of helps slow them down as well. Yeah, I, I really think the the blowing up the key pieces early is the biggest thing for me because I can't tell you how many games I've been in with either Mr. Combo or Big Tuck or anybody else that I think is the arch enemy at the table in that game. 
And I was like, well, screw you. I'm going to come at you, bro. I'm going to come at yep. you as hard as I can. And knowing that they're the arch enemy, in my mind, they have good cards as well. They're going to come right back at me. We're going to go ahead and implode ourselves, and we might as well not have even played the game because we just attack each other back to back. <laughs> and then, then it's over. So, um, yeah, I blow up the key pieces. Don't get too heated. Don't get too excited. You know, <clears throat> take it easy. Yeah, let them let sure. them build up a board state, but don't let them build up the board state per se. Right, right, right. All right, all right. So moving on to the second question that I was posing here. So let's pretend you're the arch enemy <laughs> combo. Um, what cards do you put in your deck to protect yourself from the hate? Because I would assume at this point you know you're the one. You're the one at the table that's getting hated out. So how do you change your strategy a little bit when you're building your deck and or modifying a current deck and add in cards that you think will help you avoid being the arch enemy? So uh, obviously this is somewhat pointed at me. I don't know why. I, I, I've been doing philanthropic endeavors the last decade and a half. Yes, you're, 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 you're real, uh, you're real Mother Teresa, let me tell you. Uh, but uh, basically the way I look at it, and uh, I'll be frank, I actually don't build any of my decks with the mindset of, ugh, people are going to target me, so I need ways to deal with it. Um, just because if I did that, I would never get to build any deck I ever want to build. Right, yeah. Because uh, mm -hmm. I would have too much in there. But I do think it's something that you can recognize and look for anything that can counter, give Hexproof Shroud, Phase, or Indestructible. Those kind of four key areas of protection or evasion are the things that you want to look for if you do believe you're the arch enemy or you have a deck that is an arch enemy deck. Mm -hmm. Those things will protect you as the people try to remove things. For example, this Friday, uh, we have a Bruise and Builds episode coming out around my Kalia of the Vast deck. Lightning Greaves is a humongous card in that deck because if people just remove Kalia one, two, three, four, five times, the deck just doesn't function and I lose right. the game. So you have to kind of look at who's my commander, what's my reputation, and then which of these mechanics actually fit within the color pie. Obviously, if you're in Boros, don't be going looking for uh, counter spells. It's just not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna be in your stuff. But there's plenty of stuff that can hey, give Hex there's that new one. or even there's phase. The new I know, I was gonna say. Spell this red, I just talked about it. It's real. Tibbles. <laughs> Give Boros a chance. Give him a chance. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that's actually pretty similar to my strategy. So I've only been the arch enemy as far as I'm aware once in my lifetime for a matter of months. So it was early Reese before Reese became sitting tight. It was go hard Reese and kill everybody. Um, and that was when I was the only, the only player at the table that was hated so much that I died first every game and then everybody died in whatever order after. The only goal was to kill me. There was no goal to anybody else winning. Um, and cards like Asceticism were really big for me because it would give all of my stuff hexproof, like you said. Um, things that, that do that. And that's honestly where the fogs came from, too. I didn't run Fog and Reese to begin with, but I ran Fog and Reese after the fact, because so many people would either come through with a bunch of flyers or they'd come through with anything that they possibly could and just kill me. And it would be three players in a row would just be like, all right, I'll attack for five. If you can attack for 10 and you can attack for 12, <laughs> then he's dead. We got him. So like, I see cards, like, this. cards like Fog would then take that deal and you could at least be like, all right, well, I know he's attacking for 12, so I can wait one turn, Fog that one, and then I'll be at whatever life total I'm at and then see what magic we can work. But uh, basically to me, yeah, stall tactics, counter spells, 
burn spells, removal spells, targeted removal spells for other people's stuff. Kind of like we were talking in the first point there. If you have targeted removal, yeah. get rid of their commander. So they're yep. on their heels as well, you know? Just and don't forget that. Like that. Don't forget that in Boros, you do have access to the most powerful counter spell of all, Lapse of Certainty. So just remember that one for future <laughs> for future for future deck building things. But I agree with both of you guys, and I kind of put it into th- cards you need in three categories. One of which is cheap counters, and the example I had there was Swan Song, which is you can pay one and counter an instant sorcery or an enchantment, and they get a bird. It's a blue. Um, mod- I think modular board wipes are really important too, like your cleansing novas. Three colorless white white, uh, choose and you can either board white for creatures or artifacts and enchantments. As we've talked about, we love modular cards on here. And I think when you're looking at sweepers, you want to be able to deal with um, effectively cleaning out your opponent's board and keeping yours. And then lastly, there are a certain amount of cards that are just total dick bag cards that you can run to completely screw everyone else. (laughs) Your Armageddon's of the world, if you will. Um, Or Mass Land Destruction or Stacks or something like that, some other sort of nightmare. So I think if you feel like you're going to be building a deck that's around, that's going to end up being this way through its style, through the way that you you think it's going to be perceived. I think having cards in those three categories will really help you make it through um, the early and mid game. Okay. Um, I'm actually going to pair this. So I'm going to reverse the order of the last two questions here because I think it pairs pretty well with what we were just talking about there. So now we're talking about some of the cards that you would put into your deck to help you from being hated out as the arch enemy. Are there, and I'll start with you, Tuck, are there any color combinations, say a commander color combination that you think works better for an arch enemy-esque player? Say you're in a play group. Like Mr. Compa said, everybody knows that you're the arch enemy, and no matter what deck you play, you come to that, and you're going to get targeted as the arch enemy. Is there certain color combinations that work better for you to build around to help you survive in that game, or is it more of a crapshoot? Yeah, I think it's so, for me, I was thinking that pretty much any deck, if it's going to be this way, you probably want to have black and blue in it. Black's got the best creature Mm -hmm. removal, blue's got the best counters and kind of boards. Just because I I like it. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Okay. As I was thinking through like a lot of the decks that I have that are arch enemy decks, like uh, one that came to mind that's pretty, pretty, like pretty obvious is like a Nekazard deck, right? And the black really leans into a lot of the wipes, a lot of the situational things, as well as like a lot of utility. And it's everyone's, and everyone knows that black and blue well blue and green no sorry green then blue then black are the strongest color combinations so i think like i think usually black and blue are the ones that i usually see with it but normally like most black and blue decks aren't really sort of arch enemy decks so i think when you see that it's when they get splashed with a third color usually like red or green um the red really helps you again with more removal a lot of wheel effects a lot of kind of uh fringe mechanics and and things that really kind of help you solidify your board state and then green obviously helps you ramp into those bigger threats um helps you smooth out your land drops and that sort of thing to help you get to those black, blue, and and XYZ kind of color big bomb spells you're looking for. I like that. Big bomb spells. That's nice. BBS's, baby. (laughs) So for me, it's actually anything that runs blue and or green. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think the green is more important than the black because of the ramp Mm-hmm. And the fact that green also has targeted removal. Green also does have card draw on top of the blue control and the blue card draw and the blue bounce effect. And the blue just, and the blue giant creatures and the green giant yeah, creatures. And, the green giant creatures. <laughs> and blue gives flying, green gives trample and infect. It's just uh, yeah. Basically, if if someone's playing Simic, I'm 
I'm watching <laughs> yeah, it a yeah, little bit more carefully. Yes. Uh, or, you know, if it's, you know, and I think that is a good point where if it's not blue, green, and then another third or fourth or fifth color, sure. if it's like blue and black or green and black, I do keep my eye over there, but maybe I don't do it as hard because right. I get it. Black has tutors, black has wipes, but I just think that the other two colors, blue and green, are so outclassed yeah. ahead of black. It's like to use a sports ball reference. Blue and green is like Patrick Mahomes. Black is like Big Dick Mitch. Let's <laughs> I was Big gonna, Dick uh, Mitch. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go, Mitch. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, no, I was gonna say you know maybe like a Lamar Jackson or a Josh Allen. Uh, both are very, very talented quarterbacks in the NFL, but they're not on that level. They're not. I think black mm -hmm. is a very strong color. They are. It's just yeah. not on the. It's, blue it's not. It's not hall. It's not hall of famer level, right? No. Okay. Gotcha. You gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. All right, I'm gonna splash in one other color combo here. I can't argue with. I, I agree with combo for the. Don't most you part. dare! Don't you! Green. Don't you! Don't you dare! <laughs> He's going to say green and white. I guarantee it. <laughs> He's going to say Silencia. No, no, no. I'm actually going blue, green, and white. So partially, but not completely. Because you can add in indestructible and ghostly prison type of effects. Things like that that really help your board state where people can't do anything to your stuff unless they have an exile spell, which they may have one, but not a lot of them. Ghostly prison's pretty solid. You can help but with yeah, propaganda in blue. Right. So you run blue, green, and white. So you have two propagandas. You have indestructible. You have counter spells. You have flying on the white side. You have trample on the green side. You have flying on the blue side. I think it's a pretty goddamn good thing. And then white is also known for the enchantments. So you have a lot of onboard enchantment support. You'll probably run it in like 20% of your deck, not 33% as you would equally divide everything. But I think there's a lot of individual pieces in white that make it a good support thing for an arch enemy. But white itself is not a good color to build around. See, that's that's really interesting to think about because I can't think of a Bant commander that is arch enemy besides maybe Cholane, Chulane, sort of, right? But Are you me? Uh, the one Derevi. Oh yeah, yeah good point. A, yeah, that's like the other example. <laughs> right. That's the yeah, one that hits I the board and everybody goes, Oh yeah, oh god. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you so can even throw Rune in because Rune is basically Brago with green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. But yeah. I, I don't know. I just feel like I feel like the, the debauchery and and arch enemy stuff I've seen has never come from like Bant decks really outside of Drevi. But I don't think there's a lot sure. of those played anymore. So but I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah, the, the color combo itself. And, and I think partially, too, because as far as I'm aware, there aren't a lot of Bant all star commanders. That I can. Yeah, think it's, it's, it's like three card or three color combo. Commanders are kind of hard to come by for really, really good ones because wizards yeah. are pretty careful about how well, they if you think that, about, But if you think about the Bant ones, it's like Estrid, which is definitely not an arch enemy deck. Arcades, no. definitely not an arch enemy's deck. And then like Cholane, which is like can kind of be, but it's, it's, I don't know. It's weird. So I, I don't know. I like yeah. that though. I think that's an interesting thought yeah. experiment. Well, you know, there we are. This last one's going to be real quick. Does the arch enemy player win or lose more games overall combo? My actual thought on this is 
like I talked about in the beginning, how I'm considered the arch enemy, <clears throat> which, you know, maybe 30% of the time should be true, but the other 70% it's just on reputation. Mm -hmm. I actually think the true arch enemy at tables win more games than they lose because that there's someone else at the table that has some sort of reputation for being the arch enemy. Ah, they draw all the hate. Everyone kind of politics and argues against that one person while this other person contributes to the collective, but really they're yeah. just establishing their own board state. And then once everyone deals with the quote unquote arch enemy, usually that other person's like, okay, well I win the game. Yeah. And See, so think so about you it. Could, that's how a lot of those games go. You could call them the prince almost. It could be a new character <laughs> See, uh, see, new father Duff. See, frenemy Dan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just waiting in the wings. Uh, oh, they're man. like they're like the person playing it slow through the end of the game. The art of the steel. Yeah. They are uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My answer was two words. It's table dependent, right? Like I, I have probably. I feel like I've probably played in the most amount of groups geolocated with different people than anyone else mm -hmm. on the cast, or maybe anyone that we play with. And it's really been interesting because there's some people who it's like they're not as cutthroat about it. So one person, they're always like, oh, yeah, that's just this guy. Like, let him do his thing, get his giggles out. We'll just sure. blast him next game. So they probably have like a higher win percentage. But there's other ones where you sit down at a table and you look and it's Eric Butts. That guy from Chi-Town drink. And uh, <laughs> they're like, all right. Like, do you guys know this guy? No? Good. Then we're going to lose. Like, it's pretty much one-on-one -on -one and then two idiots. <laughs> so, I think, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think, I I just think it's too hard to tell. Like, it just depends on play group, depends on the matchups, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Then just like a yes or a no. I, I think I'm on the train of the arch enemy back pre-COVID wins more games than they lose post COVID where you're only playing with a certain meta. You can't go to the shop. You can't go to a magic fest. You can't play a random game for the yeah. most part. You can do it a little bit online, but you still got to meet these people and you probably play with them multiple times. Cause you find people with camera setups. Yeah. Or, or Mr. Combo gets on a discord when it's not even his game and tells everyone just to blast me in the face. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> that being said, I think pre COVID times where people were playing in person, you could pick up a random Friday night magic and just go play. Yeah, you probably win more games than you lose to Combo's point. Yeah. But nowadays, to Tuck's point, it's table dependent for sure. You don't... There's a good chance you know everybody and you know most of the decks that you've played against the people you're right. playing right now in this day and age. And I think, yes, you lose 66% of your games. You win one. Like I, I think Combo said earlier in the cast, I can't remember the last time that I won more than one game in a row. Yep. You know, it so sucks. yeah, yeah. People target. And I, I think that's the way it goes. That being said, winning one in a row is pretty good. It's, that's that's about how the odds work. You know, one in four. <laughs> you don't necessarily win four in a row, or otherwise you just stomp everybody. And then yeah, no one has any fun with that on the lasagna enemy. tier. <laughs> well. That's going to round out what's the plane chase. Uh, that was that was more interesting than yeah. I thought it was going to be. I, I liked that one. That was fun. Um, Some good I'm going to think more about those color combos as well. I want to I want to kind of narrow that down on my thought process for how that works. But I do think a splash of white in your arch enemy deck couldn't hurt. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up. What's the plane chase? Now in that last segment, Squee dives into those creative juices with the weather. 
Welcome back to the Weatherlight Report, coming to you live from Weatherlight Chapel 4, I'm Squee McGee. Still doing it! Called a theme! Called a themed month, I don't know when it started, it could have been in a different month, but I'm going More for four weeks in a row if we can. Old uh, crappy commanders? Old legends, crappy commander, let's do this thing. Tetsuo Umazawa. That's oh, this guy. Blue. Summon legend. Coming in at a stupid, what, like 80 bucks or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, adds up. Uh, anyways, people, keep your Legends cards. That's my prospecting tip of the day. <laughs> so, <laughs> what is this? Is this Grixis? Yes, it is. Ooh, I'm learning. I'm getting there. Yeah. Finally getting there. You know, 180,000 episodes later, we're figuring it out. <laughs> uh, so, it's a Summon Legend. It's a 3-3 three, three, uh, for a red, a black, a black, and a blue. Tap. Destroy target tapped creature or target blocking creature. Tetsuo may not be target of an enchant creature spell. I mean, that's a big wolf on the cost. <laughs> Yikes. Um, I, I think we really got to dial in your mana rocks, i.e. Manalith. Add that one in there. I think it's a pretty good pick for this deck. Could or, you know, because it's three colors, because it's three colors, you know, go ahead and just get your Coalition Relic or a Chromatic Lantern and save yourself the trouble. So actually, you'll probably need all three of them. So Manalith's going to make the cut on this one. Now, um, are, all, are all three... Skyclave Relic. Are, are, yeah, thank you. Are, are all three of the Umazawa members going to be partial to this deck? I don't know. I, I'm not picking any of them myself. Okay. So, you know, open to the group. <laughs> okay. Okay. If you want to add them okay. in there. It's okay. Uh, Prepubescent Sam has, or sorry, Prepubescent Tuck has made it into the cast here with a little squeak. Yeah, Not bad. It's kind of odd hearing you squeak, actually. You have such a low voice and you're so loud all the time. I know. My deep, my deep baritone. I think I just blew it out. <laughs> wow. We, were, we had a lot like of band practices well, anyways, this card Indeed. is very interesting to me. It's uh, on theme with being about as sweaty as you possibly can be. No flavor text, but I don't think it needs it because the artwork is ridiculous. What is going on here? Is that sumo wrestler with a bow and arrow that's dancing no, on a poorly a drawn all red mountain? He's a, he's a Ronin. Uh, it's Julie Barrow at her best. Wow, she hasn't done any card that came out recently. Oof. <laughs> tough, 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 tough break. I mean, so this card, like, this card looks to me. Sorry, Julie. Uh, this is gonna make it worse. This card looks to me like it was drawn by a fourth grader. Yeah, I think, a, I think there's or a reason why she. I think there's a reason why she ain't getting work no more. Well, with that roasting, let's go ahead and talk about <laughs> the first card. All right, we're talking vortex elemental. So Ooh. one blue. It's an uncommon creature elemental from... I don't know what set that is. Born of the Gods. For, for those playing the home game, I'm not an idiot. I, like, I don't look up these cards on Scryfall actively. I just have them copy and pasted, so I, I try and guess what it is. <laughs> Normally, I guess I could just look at the, the actual text, but whatever. For one blue, put Vortex Elemental in each creature blocking or blocked by it on top of their owner's libraries, and then those players shuffle their libraries or... What's more important here, for three colorless and two blue, that means you need nine mana to make this combo work. I'm really stretching it here, boys. Target creature blocks Vortex Elemental this turn of Fable. It's a zero-one. So wow. you block, spend four with your commander, 
kill that thing. Just so I mean, you just can use its own ability and and bounce it to the top of the thing. This card's actually very interesting to me because you can block and then bounce both things as more of almost like a oh, what is that? Two costed wall that prevents all damage to and dealt. It's it's basically just this static thing. That oh, guard on the board, and you can't. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's a fog bank. Fog bank. Oh, right. Like this is a fog bank you throw onto the board, and then you can block anything, bounce both to the top of the library, draw it, and play it immediately because it only costs one mana. Um, it's an interesting blocker, and it just has the stupidest synergy with the commander itself, just to try and stretch it out there we're talking lululemon yoga pants stretch yeah, yeah that is that is a stretch and a half and it doesn't even have <laughs> it doesn't even have defender so you can't even use it in wall decks right oh god defender has, doesn't it count has, it has a zero attack power so i would call that defender right if it actually i would i'm gonna go out there if this card had defender it would be better oh my god <laughs> that's Oof. so stupid all right, what, what's, what, what, what next, what next myth, mythological beast do you have to torture us with? <laughs> uh, this one's a little better. So this is actually better than the commander itself, but it's not legendary. Uh, invasion is where it's from, I believe. Stalking assassin. So one colorless, a blue, a black. It's a rare. It's a creature assassin. It has three oh, yeah. blue tap target creature. Three and a black, destroy target tapped creature. It's a one-one. Uh, it's just a redundant effect that's better than the commander itself. Yeah. So ideally, you can have a couple of these out there and keep doing your... I guess we'll call it a rigmarole here. Um, uh, Dana Nutson, you are also on notice for some very <laughs> questionable art. Yeah, it's not uh, great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess this... It's like uh, the, hunch, it's like the, the deck's so questionable, yeah, the artwork has to be questionable. Oh, yeah, man. like hunch, Hunchback meets uh, Phantom of the Opera because he's got that like eye plate on. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Actually, I gotta be honest. Looking, so I'm looking through three of the the five total cards here. Three of them are questionable artwork, which means that they're all questionable cards. <laughs> there is, it is a one to one. Pretty pretty <laughs> often there. I also believe I don't think it's Nutsen. I, I there was a, a girl I worked with. Last name was Knutsen. What? That's some, that's, some Ellis, that's, that's, some, that's some Ellis Island switcherooskies there. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. The, you don't the, think the so? Uh, oh god! Well, do, you have a, do you have a Do you have another one from from Earl Pal Dana that we can blast her on as well? Uh, let me double check. No, I got one from. Uh, let's go into the third artwork that's sketchy and not great. Yeah, also very old cart, and for some reason in the two fifty to three dollar range, can't understand that. False order. So one red. It's an instant. You decide whether oh. and how one defending creature blocks, though you can't make a choice. Defending really, I'll have you read the errata text later. Uh, defending creature blocks, though you can't make a choice. The defender couldn't legally make. Play after defender has chosen defense. Basically, you choose how one creature blocks at instant speed, and then you destroy it if you want to. It's a little one drop. This is the third sketchy artwork that also looks yeah. like a fourth grader drew a piece of paper onto yeah. again. No background. I like how they didn't use any background in any of these. It was like solid red mountain, <laughs> solid purple mush, and then this one is just 
red it was like one red marker they put well, on and it looks thing. it looks like your kids like your fifth grade it, these battle plans on here look like it's like the kid like your kids macaroni paintings they bring home after kindergarten <laughs> be like oh i guess i have to hang this on the fridge until they forget about it but at least this artist artist anson maddox uh, is actually a very famous magic artist has done the og animate dead so he actually has redeemed mm -hmm. himself and done better artwork it's just uh, dana knutson knutson you're on <laughs> notice <laughs> wait tinfoil since this card was called false orders anson maddock made a falsely bad artwork piece for it oh wow well, bad, bit bad, bad bit by you bad bad bit by you oh, thank you for writing action for chopper we have landed in the bad bit by you <laughs> it's a little muddy down here all right we're talking the last card i believe under 30 cents the brother of Morphling. We're talking Torchling. Hello. Three colorless, two wow, red. Wow, what a creature lazy name. <laughs> God. It's a rare. Uh, it has for one red untapped Torchling. For one red target creature blocks Torchling this turn, which is more important. For one red change the target of target spell that targets only Torchling. Wow, only? Sure. Well, I guess, yeah. <laughs> That's, that's situationally useful. And then it has a colorless torchling gets plus one, minus one, or a colorless torchling gets minus one, plus one. Basically, you attack with torchling, you beef it up so it doesn't die, and then if it's a big enough creature, you can zap it with your commander. Oh, okay. Also, you're not going to use this card in any other deck that I can foresee. I just cannot see a situation uh, in commander. Ooh, you can definitely uh, do uh, unlimited mana with torchling. You have really? something that allows you to tap Torchling for more than one yeah. red. You use the one red to untap it, and boom, you got infinite. There's ways, enchantments that say, like, tap target creature you control, untap other target creature. Right, right, right. So if you have some other creature that could produce two, you could kind of use that rigmarole. You could basically use Torchling as, like, an unlimited mana generator if you had the other piece. Now, that is, that is, that is pretty sweaty bit. That is a pretty sweaty machine that you're building there, but I like uh -huh. it. Well, I like what you've done here. As as per your name, you figured out an infinite combo. Uh, it seems like the uh, Weatherlight Chopper 4 is lifting out of the bayou because yes. I'm going to go ahead and call it. Torchling's going up in price because now you all know from the CMD Cowercast, it's an infinite combo. Go out there, make it, build it. It's worth more yeah. than 20 cents. Buy it just like you're buying Doggy Coin or Dogecoin or Dogecoin or whatever the f*** it's called. What? I don't know. Have you not heard of this? He's trying to be he's trying to be funny with Bitcoin. No, there's Wait, a new are, are there's you? a new real Oh my god. Called it is Dogecoin. I'm wow. I'm not kidding. It's wow. Dogecoin is an open source peer-to-peer -peer digital currency favored by Shiba and Newest worldwide. What, what what is happening? What world are we living in? Here's the thing. So, <laughs> so to, to let everyone in the collective know, this will be our last episode ever for MTG Action 4 News because now uh, Big Tuck, Squee, and myself are going to go invent a made-up currency <laughs> yes. yep. and have people give us billions of dollars for it. CMD, that seems like the way you get rich. CMD Tower Cash. There you go. <laughs> oh, and then if they want physical cash, we actually give them the Squeeze oh, Coin. Oh, I love it. Look at that. All right, Squeeze Coin is, I guess, since it's, it's a couple bucks on the website. What is it, $5 on the website? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. You guys better hurry up. It's starting at $5 market share per coin, and that's where we're going. Dogecoin's only $0.04, cents, so they all can suck it. We're doing great, guys. We're doing great. CMDTower.com slash merch. Get on this wallet before Mr. Combo sells them all. <laughs> we're making the newest... 
cryptocurrency. Well, oh, man. I'm going to kick it back to the Action 4 News Desk with Mr. Combo and Big Tuck. And I'd also like to make a side note as I kick it out with no comments afterwards. Whew, that deck was bad. <laughs> Thank you for staying with us, and as always, remember the great giveaways from CMD Tower and Level 1 Game Shop by retweeting, subscribing, following, liking, sharing, and placing orders at level1gameshop.com. Another way to support us at Evermore, Patreon, patreon.com slash Tower. We have four different pledge levels, and any kind of help does help. That's redundant. See. You can stay in touch with your MTG Action 4 News team by following us on the Twitter, the Facebook, and our website, CMD Tower. You can communicate directly with your new team at CMD Tower, at Mr. Common Number 5, all spelled out except for the 5, at Dear Squee, at Big Tuck Tweeting, from your MTG Action 4 News team. Good morning, good afternoon, <laughs> good evening, and good night. Good Dutch, good Dutch coin, good Dutch coin, good Dutch coin. <laughs> <laughs>